Welcome to Laughing Your Mask Off, the podcast where we talk to comedians about navigating the world of comedy since the pandemic. I'm Katherine Cowan. And I'm Carly Palestina. And today we are talking to the rubber face comedian, Jason Dixie. Hey guys, how are you? Thank you so much for coming on our podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're very excited to talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't tell it from the way she said that, but we are (laughs) very excited to be talking to you today. Um, So to get started, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, how did you get started in comedy, whatever you want to share about you. Yeah, sure. Uh, So um, I am from Fort Wayne, Indiana, Um, hometown, uh, lived here all my life. And um, I was blessed to start in comedy at the uh, tender age of 16 years old, Uh, was in uh, high school as a sophomore and was in English class. Um, And um, um, it was a lady in there that was training to be a teacher named Kelly uh, Mallard. Uh, She has a different last name now uh, because she's married. And um, I I was, you know, told to do a political skit, make it funny. And so, you know, was by the grace of God able to make it funny. All the kids laughed. And I came off, we had a little stage in the room or our classroom. And uh, the lady that was training Kelly, she said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I don't know, maybe try college. I don't know. I'm not really sure. And she said, I could see you doing comedy, acting, and eventually one day producing. And I was like, man, I'm like, what the heck? I'm 16 years old, man. I'm thinking like, <laughs> I barely can finish my homework. <laughs> You're talking about, I can't even produce that. You know what I'm saying? You talking about, <laughs> like, like, what are you talking about? So, <laughs> So, uh, so long story short, man, I started telling kids around the school that I wanted to be a comedian. You know what the first thing they say is, if you're wanting to be a comedian, then make me laugh first. So made them laugh, imitated the assistant principal, Mr. Brown, and uh, did a pretty good job of it at the time. And, you know, and so one kid called me on it. He said, I saw something in the paper. They were looking for comedians. So I was like, okay, cool. So he brought it to school. So I I was like, I think he was going to really do it, you know? So I called the number, man, you got to talking to the guy and make a long story short, you know, back then that's when they had VHF tapes, VHS tapes, I'm sorry. So you had to send a, you know, do a VHS tape. So I, you know, did one, sent it to him and I got my first show, man, at the age of 16 with a bunch of deaf comic, comedy jam comedians and comic view comedians or whatever. And I never looked back, man. And uh, I've been doing it for the last almost 30 years now. Wow. That's incredible. What was it like? entering the comedy world as an early teenager because comedy clubs are kind of filled with more of like a 21 plus crowd and even then it's even plus that more yeah like i'd say we're on the young end at yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was interesting uh to answer that question uh carly um yeah because i didn't know what to talk about you know so at the time i was doing like other people's jokes you know just keeping it 100 you know because i didn't know how to write an act you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know what to say. You know, I was, not, I was 16. I didn't really have a lot of experiences, you know, like to talk about back then. Um, so, you know, yeah. So I, I went to a comedy show a little after that, you know, my first show and uh, Simply Marvelous. I don't know if you guys ever heard of her. Um, she was a, a great, you know, female comedian back in the day. And um, she had just did Def Jam and she did some movies with Martin Lawrence. And she was kind of on her way to her, you know, HBO special and she was, she was really getting in there. And that was at a time you could talk to people. And, uh, and I got another story uh, that kind of goes along with this one. 
But uh, so I talked to her and I didn't talk to the other guy that was with her that opened up for her. I didn't think he was, to be honest with you, I didn't think he was going to be nobody. Just, I just, my own personal opinion, you know, at the time, but I was young, dumb, you know, didn't know nothing at all back then. But uh, anyway, so I'm talking to her and she's like, you know, just sit down, write some stuff out that, you know, experiences that you had. So then I started doing that or whatever. I didn't talk to the other guy because he was funny, but I couldn't see him being nobody. So he watched me. I looked right at him. You know, he looked he right at me, left. I think about six months later, I saw him on TV on Comic View. I'm like, okay, cool. Another six months went by, saw him on, you know, Def Jam. Okay, that's cool. Next thing I know, man, he became one of the kings of comedy. It was Cedric the Entertainer. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't think he was going to be anybody. <laughs> Moral of the story is treat everybody with respect, love, and, and just uh, uh, just admire, you know, that person because you don't know who's going to do what. And I didn't see him doing nothing, you know, and Simply Marvelous, she passed away probably about five or six years ago and uh, her career went down because she got off into drugs and alcohol like a lot of comedians do. And um, so she didn't went down. So I ended up taking her advice uh, going back into your question, Carly. And I went to the clubs and I started working out at my home club, Snickers Comedy Club here, you know, uh, Kevin Ferguson that owned the place at the time. Uh, now it's called the Summit City Comedy Club. But I would go in and I would, you know, work out like, uh, you know, as much as I could for open mics. And then like um, he came out in the crowd and got me when he was ending his open mic night or whatever. And he was like, man, you know, you're pretty, you're pretty funny, you know, and you got potential. And I would like, you know, to have you back as a host. And I hosted there for probably like, I think like 10 years. Wow. Awesome. So that was like my college. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Do you really diving into the deep end on that one? Just like heading on through. So that's how you got into it. And then how, uh, what was like your life in comedy? Like you, so you've started out, then there's a, a big span of time pre-pandemic. So what was your comedy life like then? Mm. So it was good. I, I did the role for like uh, 15 years. Um, and um, it was it was real good, man. I, you know, did the road. Um, I was blessed to do uh, corporate gigs as well. Um, of course, you know, you got to be squeaky clean when you do those, as you guys know. Um, and uh, they, they, they pay really well, though. Godly, man, I, I miss I miss those, <laughs> uh, but for, yeah, pre-pandemic, it was, you know, that, and then, you know, um, something that Carly may know a little bit about, um, I was blessed to also get off into movies early in my career. Um, I did my first film at like 19 uh, in the company of men with Aaron Eckhart, um, and he went on to be in uh, Batman uh, with uh, Heath Ledger, um, um, so yeah, so I, I, I was I was blessed to do the combination of comedy and uh, acting at the same time. And then I also did some other films, Proxy. I definitely want to give a shout out to the Shade Shepherd because <laughs> uh, that was my first union film, as you might know. Um, and I got my SAG card and all that stuff or whatever. But um, it was great before that. Like I was working all the time, you know, and, uh, you know, doing films in between and, you know, uh, all that stuff. But after the pandemic hit and then I started doing cruise ships right before the pandemic hit and um for Norwegian and it just kind of went downhill after that you know unless you were a big name you know or had some type of fame you know on the internet you know you just weren't you know working the clubs as much you know because they rather have those people that have internet fame even though they don't have an act most of them 
they rather have those people over somebody like me or you guys that have an act, you know, and actually can stand up on stage, you know, and uh, like Dave Chappelle told uh, Trevor Noah, when he uh, put him on a show, he said, uh, Dave said, you know, he said, he said to Dave, he said, man, I'm open up for you at Radio City, you know, music hall. He said, but there's a, he said, I shouldn't be here, man. He said, I'm funny, I know, but he said, there's a lot, you know, I should, I just shouldn't be here. And Dave said something that I never forgot to him. He said, you're not here because you're funny. He said, I know a hundred funny guys and gals. He said, you're here because you're interesting. <clears throat> and that's better than being funny. What? <laughs> Hold the audience attention. And that's why you're here. And so I, I've worked all these years because I think it's not so much my act. It's because I'm interesting, hmm. you know, uh, and I'm genuine. So uh, you know, hopefully, you know, the pandemic has kind of, you know, gone now. So hopefully, you know, things will start to pick back up. And I'm, I'm hoping and, and praying soon that I'll get back on Norwegian, you know, because I really enjoy doing cruise ships. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit more about like, because you mentioned you do like corporate and getting on the road. Um, and we don't have a ton of people who like have spoken about like just going on different like tours and sort of like how you get into that. Like, could you talk a little bit about like, first of all, how you get into going on the road? And then second of all, kind of like what that's like as a comedian? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so how I got on the road was uh, my home club. You know, you, you, you know, you powwow with other comedians, you know, and you uh, you definitely you got you, you have to be um, a, a social butterfly you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, getting, you know, out on the road, you know, and there just happened to be a comedian named Keith Ruff, you know, that, um, you know, cause it's like, uh, comedy is like acting, you know what I mean? Like I tell people, like, you may not get a comedy job or acting job because you remind the person that you're working with of their brother or their sister or somebody in their family that they don't like or a friend. You, you might get the job because you remind them of a friend and they like them, you know, and as opposed to they don't like them in the first part of what I was saying. So, mm -hmm. so he liked me and uh, he said, hey, man, I'm going to call the agency on Monday and uh, tell them about you, you know, and uh, uh, I think it was a funny business agency at the time. And uh, so I was like, all right, cool. So uh, I called him Monday. He called the agency, you know, um, and they told me to send a tape. You know, I sent my tape. They liked my tape. And uh, that was the start of a 15-year relationship with the funny business agency and getting on the road. The road can be um, a comedian's heaven and hell all at the same time. Uh, and what I mean by that is like, um, there's times when it's really great and there's times when it's not, you know, because it's, you know, rooms that are, you know, not the greatest, hotels that are not the greatest. Um, sometimes they are the greatest, you know. Um, so you have to, you have, to have a, a real strong mindset you know, when you're on the road, you know, and, and keep yourself on an even keel and learn how to manage your time, you know, when you're not working, you know, because um, you only work 30 to 45 minutes a night, you know, whatever. And so you have to really learn how to manage your time, you know, when you're on the road and reading books and, and learning and, and digesting information. And, and um, at the time, you know, going from then to now, going on YouTube University, you know, and learning from there as well. And, so that's really how I got on the road. It's just, it was powwow on other comedians. Great. And also, I think something that, like, the getting, like, powwowing with, like, talking with other comedians and also just being a social butterfly, but also being, like, the thing you said about being interesting on stage is more important than funny, or that was said to you, is so fascinating. Because Could you talk a little bit more 
about that because you are a very interesting and also very sincere person. And I think when a lot of people hear like, oh, you have to be interesting, they're like, and I'm gonna wear a funny hat. And it's, so what does that sincerity kind of mean to you? I think it's just, it's just being true to yourself, you know? Um, and, you know, I think when people feel that you're true to yourself and you're a genuine person, I think that shines through over your jokes. Um, you know, a lady told me that years ago, you know, she said, it's not, she said, you're funny. She said, don't get me wrong. She said, but the reason you're going to make it is because you're a genuine person. And at the time, I didn't understand what the heck she was talking about or interesting person, the same, you know, thing along the same lines. And I, I didn't understand that, you know, uh, but now I get it. You know, uh, you have to be interesting and you have to be genuine if you want to make it, you know, um, just like I didn't talk to Cedric, the entertainer. You know, like he was a good dude, you know what I mean? Like, but I didn't think he was going to be nobody. I just really didn't. I couldn't see it. I didn't see the star quality, you know, <laughs> but what is star quality? You know, um, that's been redefined, you know? So I, I think it's, in, in my opinion, it's more important to be a genuine, nice person, an interesting person than it is to be funny. And a lot of people don't get that, you know, um, in the book that I showed you, The Comedy Bible by Judy Carter, Big shout out to Judy Carter, man. God, leave, man. I tell everybody, read that book. Uh, but she says there's three things in order to make it in comedy. Was, she said it's this simple. She said, get good, get, uh, get good, get paid, and get noticed. And most comics make it more complex than that. That's it. You get so good that people want to pay you. You get so good that people want to notice you. You know, and Bill Cosby said something that I um, that I never forgot, uh, and I, I just I, I, it just it stays in the forefront of my mind. He says, "I don't know the keys to success in anything." He said, "But I do know the keys to failure, and that's trying to please everybody." When you stop trying to please everybody on stage, and knowing you're not going to get the whole room, that's when everything opens up for your career. Um, no, that's super interesting. And also something that like, I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like there, it's just, it's interesting when you hear like that there's so much more than just like being funny. Um, and there's like a whole other, a whole other side to that. Um, but pivoting back into kind of our overall theme of the pandemic and comedy, how, um, so leading up to the pandemic, what were you doing and how how did the pandemic affect sort of your trajectory at the time? You know, flashback to May, no, March, 2020, <laughs> what's life looking like for you? No, life was looking good because you know, I was doing cruise ships. <laughs> I had six weeks worth of work. Uh, so life was looking good, man. Uh, and, um, and I knew there was more work to come, you know, uh, I was looking at going full time you know, uh, you know, on the cruise ships, you know, because I'm a bus driver, you know, uh, for the school system here. Um, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm about to go and blow. I was so excited about it. <laughs> and then the pandemic hit and I lost everything, man. I love it. No, I love it. It's like, oh, no, no. You know, I was, I was going to Bermuda. I was, I'm sorry, I'm having a moment. Just give me a second, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and I've never been there before and I was happy to come to New York. Just kind of experience the city. I'm sorry, I had a moment. <laughs> okay, I'm back. I'm back. 
Mm. Yeah. So it was looking great for me. I was I was really uh, excited about going there. I was going some other places around Christmas time, you know, uh, for a couple of weeks. And um, so it was really starting to kick in. Um, I had just did another film called The Shade Shepherd. Um, and so I was really excited about that. And that was that was going to make a lot of noise because it was it had entered some nice film festivals, you know, and stuff like that. Newport Beach Film Festivals and some other ones. And, and we got distribution. So I was re- I was like, man, I'm about to be on my way here. And just everything, just a pandemic hit. And it just went, it was like a roller coaster that was going up. And I was, I was, my projection was going up and then I didn't know it was a big dip coming down. And it was like, oh, and the dip just never came back up. So it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, straight down, straight down. So yeah, man, yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, it, you, it killed the noise. Did you end up doing any Zoom comedy or experimenting with any online things during the pandemic? Or- no, um, I saw him offered, but I thought that was just a, a weird way to do comedy personally for me. Uh, it's better to have that personal uh, in live experience with an audience, you know, um, and I just I just couldn't get off into it. Totally. That makes sense. I know a lot of people who it's really a divided thing where some people were like, this is not stand up. I'm not doing it. I'm sitting this one out and others looked at it like, oh, you know, I'm just, I need to do something. And I think both are right in their own way, which is, and I think it's such like a subjective thing, like person to person. So, but yeah, very interesting. But now um, things are opening back up. Things are looking much better. What are you up to now? Yeah, so I'm working. I'm working again. And uh, like you said, things are starting to open back up. Um, So uh, the one-nighters are coming back slowly. those are cool. Comedy clubs are starting to, you know, come back slowly, you know, and that's really cool. And so, um, and like I said, cruise ships will be back hopefully next year. So I'm really excited about that. And um, so, yeah, I'm excited for, you know, what's to come, you know, I'm not pushing the envelope like I was before, like, you know, making all the calls and trying to get into clubs. Cause you know, you, you can make, you can call a club for four years, man. And don't get into the fifth year, you know, like, mm-hmm. so not doing that so much anymore. Just, you know, uh, you know, Christian, you know, comedian. So just go on where God leads me now, as opposed to me trying to do everything, you know, and just trusting him personally for myself. Um, and that's where my mindset is now. You know, I got a gig coming up, I think in Cherubusco, Indiana, like a one-nighter at the American Legion, you know, but I'm just going, if that's where you want me to be, God, I'm going. I'm gonna make those people laugh. I'm gonna do it as if I'm in a, a theater on the cruise ship. I'm going to go and do it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, okay, it's not 800 people, you know, per show, but I'm going to go do it. You know, <laughs> I'm going to live the dream. <laughs> so that's where I'm at with it, man. You know, I've been blessed to do quite a bit of things, you know, and some things we haven't even talked about, you know, because it's just not enough time on the podcast to do it. But, you know, so it's like, you know, after you get to a, a plateau in your career, you just go, okay, man, what else is there to do? You know, um, you know, I think Eddie Murphy said it best one time, and I'm not here, but it's just a good metaphor for what we're talking about. Somebody had interviewed him one time and they said, Eddie, people are saying you're not as funny as you used to be. You're watered down now. You know, you're doing all these Disney movies. You're doing Shrek. I mean, how would you respond to your critics? And he looked at the lady and he said, he said, I stopped trying to be funny about 20, 
or $30 million ago. <laughs> End of the conversation. <laughs> there was nothing that she couldn't say nothing. It was over. <laughs> so I stopped trying to be funny years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like trying to do this, prove myself to these people, prove myself to this. No, I'm not doing that no more. I don't have to do that with all due respect. You know, it's not bragging. It's just, you know, um, it's just my career speaks for itself. So it's like, I don't have to do that no more, you know, um, impressed a Hollywood producer, you know, years ago and almost was in a film with him, but I ended up coming back home early because I, you know, didn't know that once again, you're supposed to powwow with these people too and talk to them because he wanted to talk afterwards, and, you know, the audition. So it's like, man, whatever. So I know I could go to Hollywood. I know I could, you know, be a big star, all that stuff. But you just have to ask yourself and look in the mirror and kind of monitor yourself as the years go by. Do you still want that? You know, yeah. do you want everybody to know your name? Like cheers, you know, you want to go where everybody knows your name. <laughs> and you're always glad you came. <laughs> you want to be where you can see, you know, your troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name? So Guess not. <laughs> Moral of the story is live your life like the Cheers theme song. Yeah, there it is. That's, these are the questions we need to ask ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Will this get there me closer is. to the Cheers theme song? Yes, no, that is how you decide your path. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's yeah. what I'm living by now. I can honestly see it as just like one of those magazine quizzes that's like, do you want to be where everyone knows your name? Yes, this way. No, this way. <laughs> it has a little tree that goes down. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think it makes sense, though. Yeah, yeah. You have to ask yourself, where do you want to be? You know, like, you know, what is success to you as an individual? Yeah. You know, and not so much so what, oh, you know, Catherine, I can see you doing this, or Carly, I can see you doing that, you know, or Jason, I can see you doing this, you know, like, yeah, that would be cool and all, but, you know, I mean, um, do, you, do you really still want that, you know, like, um, uh, I, I'll just be happy doing cruise ships for the rest of my life. I never thought I would say that in a million years, but I absolutely like it. I mean, you meet some of the most interesting people in the, in the world on cruise ships as audience members. You really do. Yeah. So I would love that. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's it for me. Yeah. And I, I want awesome. to be able to live with my audience for two weeks at a time. Yes. <laughs> I love that. That's so, that's so true. I want to be able to live with my audience. That makes a lot of, that is so what's so niche about that. And I think everything you're saying also really puts into perspective this, I, like it just really illustrates very well the idea that success is different for everyone and especially in an arts career people who aren't on the inside of it think it's like oh you're successful if you're doing this thing that i know about and that's the bar but that's not what it is it's the same way that if you were to become a lawyer like maybe someone's doing criminal law but someone might be doing real estate law and they're equally happy and th the same thing exists within art as well mm -hmm. interesting very profound carly very, very um, profound. Yeah. I have a question about the cruise ships. So when you are there for all these weeks, do you get to like hang out with everybody or are you kind of like off on like a, like the artists section? How do you like, do you, uh, you, you do get to hang out with people if you choose to. Um, so you, they have you in the crew section. 
Um, that's where you stay, um, your quarters. Um, you usually stay in an officer's cabin, you know, which is one of the people that work on the ship as like either the captain or something like that. So there are decent cabins, you know, and um, so you can you can hang with your audience. Your audience is also, uh, before I forget, they change week, every week. So, you you know, you have, you know, three to four thousand people one week and then you have a whole new three to four thousand people the next week. Wow. So if your if your theater shows go well because it lets you do the theater once a week, um, you're in a comedy club. They actually have a comedy club on the cruise ship. Did you guys know that? A I've actual never been club is 150 right. to 200 people. Oh my what? god! What? Yes. This is like a town. Yes, it's a, like a city in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> so you so you go to do the comedy club like for the most of the week, and then one day out of the week you do the theater. You do two shows in the theater where they do the Broadway shows. So you get to be in a theater that seats like 800 people or more. And wow. then they, they fill the place because, they, you know, they don't charge to come in. There's no cover. And, uh, yeah, you do the show. And <laughs> it's like, so if you have a great theater show, the both of those, then you're they're like rock stars for the rest of the week. But if those shows are bad, like the one comic said, then we have to hide in our cabins for the rest <laughs> of the week. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. That's really also I feel like just as like an artist, there's something so interesting in and valuable in meeting so many people so quickly, you know, like just people are at all different walks of life and all different backgrounds and everything coming on a cruise ship. Like, I don't know, I feel like there's yeah. something so fascinating about the amount of people you'd get to talk to who you wouldn't otherwise. Cool story, man. My uh, my other guy was working on a cruise ship. You'll like this story. I'll make it quick and brief. But he was working on a cruise ship and he said um, there was a guy that was coming to his shows all the time, you know, with his family. And so the guy came up afterwards, uh, one of his shows, and he bought one of his uh, USB, US, USB uh, you know, drives, you know, CDs or whatever. That's mm -hmm. where they sell them on there. And uh, the guy was like, you know, you know, really liked you, me and my family, you know, you were very funny. We came to all your shows. And the other comic was like, do you know who you was just talking to? He was like, no. He's like, that was Tony Dungy. Oh the dude God. that used to be the, the coach of the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Wow. What? So you never know who you're going to meet is the point of the story. Yeah. Never. You don't know who's there. I think one time they said Arnold Schwarzenegger was on a ship and somebody was doing the show, man. And I think he went to one of the shows. So you never know. That's so cool. That's yeah. absolutely insane. Yeah. Oh. Yes. So yes, that is definitely an upside of comedy and cruise ships and doing all those things. Shift of gears. Um, what would you say is your biggest pet peeve about comedy? That you can be funny and not work. Mm. Um, that you can be too funny and not work because you're funnier than the person that you're opening up for. Mm. Um, that's one of my biggest pet peeves to know that funny has very little to do with making it in the business. That hurts. Yeah. That hurts. It hurts to also know that you could be so funny that people are so jealous of you that they won't tell you anything or give you any advice to help your career. That hurts. Yeah. What have you seen as like, ways that people and we talked about this a little bit and like being friendly and stuff but like what have you seen anything else in terms of like ways that people you know who are so 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 funny like can kind of break out of that mold of like not working to going to like getting more 
gigs? You know, you, uh, you have to learn to play the game, you know, like, uh, that's the way you get more gigs, you know, um, you, you do a lot of listening as opposed to talking. Mm -hmm. I found that to be, you know, very helpful. Um, and, uh, you do a lot of reading, you know, of comedy books, you do a lot of watching the comedy, you know, um, and you really just kind of stay out the way. That's really how you get more work. You know, you have to go hang out, you know, sometimes after the show, sometimes you're tired because it's, you know, two shows that night, Saturday, you ready to go back to the hotel room, go home or whatever it is, you know, and they're like, hey, let's hang out. And that's how you get more work, mm -hmm. you know, by powwowing with other comics. I hate to say it, but it's just the truth, you know, and if you're too tired to go hang out, you're probably not going to get any more work. Dang. You know, that makes a lot of sense. And you're, I, the idea of being like, oh, out there meeting people, connecting with people and how important that is. I think it speaks so well to how you, um, because I remember when I, I was lucky enough to like get to be on a show open for you uh, out in Indiana one time. And I thought your crowd work was so like one of the best I'd ever seen. Like the material was excellent as well, but like the crowd work was so good. And you can tell even just hearing you speak now, how much that was about like listening and connecting with people. And I thought that was very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. And that, it's just years and years of just, uh, of working and then you know i think it's just learning who you are as a person more as than, than as a comic you know the more you learn about yourself for me personally the more i learn about me the more i learn about my god the better i get with people and the, the, the more connected i am to people um without even knowing I'm, I'm connected to that person you know um so i think that's really that you know that's what it comes down to is just learning who you are you know um it's more important than like i said being a funny comedian, you know? And I think that's what the industry looks for, of course. You know, they look for somebody that knows who they are. You know, you're not going to get me off my square, you know, because of, you know, your drunkenness or because you want to be the center of attention that night. I'm gonna let you be the center of attention, but we still get the paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so you sure can have it. Hey, I'm, a, I'm just gonna ditch my whole act tonight. You know, like you saw me do, you know, I ditched my whole act that night, you know, to talk to Randy. Remember? Yes, I do. Yeah, talk to talk to Randy's Randy. I'll never forget Randy. <laughs> and you won't either. I won't forget Randy. I did not. <laughs> Great job, Randy. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, on that note, we are uh, heading towards the end of our podcast. So one of the last questions we like to ask some people or ask literally everyone is is there um <laughs> we ask everyone this question i don't know why i was like some people. some people and by some people she means every single person we've ever had on this podcast kind of a central conceit of the podcast <laughs> you know but it's okay. fine is there any advice that you would give to people looking to get into comedy or conversely what's the best piece of advice that's ever been given to you Best piece of advice that I've gotten is is don't get into comedy. Uh, don't get into comedy. <laughs> do something else because uh, don't get into comedy if you want to just be famous. That's the best advice I've ever got. Get into comedy because you really, truly, genuinely love it. Uh, because if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. So 
if you want to be famous, uh, go and um, uh, rob a bank or <laughs> uh, do something more outlandish than that. You know, um, go hit an old lady over the head or old guy. You'll get famous <laughs> and put it on TikTok because <laughs> comedy is not for you, man. Only 1% of comics become famous. But there's 99% of us like ourselves that are making a real handsome living at it. You know, so if you if that's what you're looking for, get out now while you still can. It's the best advice I've ever gotten, you know, because uh, there's going to be some times where it's really hard and rough. You know, there's going to be some times where you're going to want to give up. There's going to be some times when you, you question yourself for being funny um, and you have to be able to uh, to weather the storm. Yeah. And if you don't have the, um, the you know, the you know, the tough skin to do it. You know, get out, please. I'm serious. You know, don't yeah. even come this way because this is not for the faint of heart. It's not for somebody that's just, you know, wanting to play around with it. No, this is not that type of situation. Comedy is a true art form. It's the real deal, holy field. Amazing. Well, that's great advice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even like, like, in, in our own lives. Like, I feel like there's so many times where you, I, like you said, comedy can be so disheartening. And so like, you know, you'll be like, I thought this was so funny and I was doing so well. And like one day you're like, I'm on top of the world. The next you're in the basement. And I feel like you really do have to be like, well, I'd rather be doing this than anything else to, exactly. you know, get back up there and go again and again and again. So I think that makes a lot of sense. All right. So uh wrapping up, um, for our listeners who all, I'm sure, have very much enjoyed listening to you speak today, where can they find you, keep up with you, see you perform, anything you'd like to promote? Uh, you can follow me at KatherineCohen.com <laughs> or uh, Carly, CarlyThatGirl.com, uh, <laughs> either one of those. Um, I... <laughs> <laughs> no, the serious note. Uh, you can go to jasondixie.com. That's J A S O N D I X I E. Dixie, just like the chicks or the cups. They actually changed their name from Dixie Chicks uh, to something else after uh, everything went down. But um, <laughs> Dixie Cups, Dick Jason Dixie, uh, you can find me there. Also, you can find me at Jason Dixie Comedy um, on Instagram. Um, you can follow me on there, and you can find me at Jason Dixie on uh, Facebook and follow me as well there. Um, but uh, yeah, those are the platforms there. Or you could just Google me, Jason Dixie, and you'll find me. You might find, you know, some comedy stuff, some warrants, you know, uh, <laughs> old tickets that I haven't paid, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Google. You better believe it. Classic Google. Caps on <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me, ladies. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Laughing Your Mask Off. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a good review. To keep up with our hosts, follow Catherine at Catherine.Cowan and Carly at Carly Palestina on Instagram. See you next week. <laughs>